Well, after a long hiatus, I am back with episode two of season two. It's another thought-provoking and intriguing conversation with one of my favorite Comox Valley community members. She's a devoted mom and an energetic, fiery radio host that landed in media because she took a chance and believed in herself. I am talking about Robin Clark of 98.9 Jet FM. She's my inspiration and a reminder to all of us that with a little passion and a whole lot of drive, we can set our minds to anything. And it's not in the receiving that makes the journey a success. It's the trying and seeing just how far we can grow and become. But what I love most about Robin is her raw authenticity and a willingness to surrender to vulnerability in sharing her backstory. There is courage in being vulnerable and invites deeper, more meaningful connections with others. Somewhere out there, someone will lean into your story to find hope and inspiration and to be able to walk out of their own darkness. I also admire Robin's awareness that no matter what she feels in any given moment, whether from external factors or from her own hidden beliefs about herself, she has to show up at her best, be her most supportive self because others depend on it, mainly her daughter. So stick around. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Episode two with Robin. Welcome, welcome, Robin. Thank you for being my next guest. You know, I've taken a bit of a hiatus and I haven't really recorded for quite some time, like just little ones here and there in May and June, but completely inconsistent because like life happens, right? Yeah, it does, especially over the last year and a bit. Yeah. But, you know, my motto was always, among many things, is just to show up consistently because Mm -hmm. in the podcasting world, consistency really does win over your audience. You keep your audience, you gain a bit of a steady followers, get that engagement. But oh, well, so what? (laughs) What's your motto? What What do you lean into for a motto? I think show up is a really good one, actually. Um, My biggest motto, I think, in anything has always been under promise and over deliver. So I would rather say, yeah, we can, we can definitely do this and then blow people's minds, whether it's something with my daughter, um, because there's nothing worse than saying, yeah, we're absolutely going to go to the park and get ice cream. And then life happens and things get in the way. And your six-year-old doesn't care that you had a meeting that went late and you're trying to make sure you've got enough money to cover her horseback riding lessons. She just cares that she wanted her mommy time. Right. So that's why I try to, I've been burned by that. So I always really try to make sure that I'm accountable for, for the things that I promise. Oh, wow. That's, that's a tall order, but I commend you for doing that. So (laughs) not always good at it, but I try. (laughs) No, you, you do the best you can with what you got. Yes. So we're going to just dive in. So Robin, tell listeners about you, who you are, what you do and why you do it. In other words, how did you land your career in radio? Um, it's, it's funny, actually. I, out of high school, I got a job as a legal assistant. And I thought that I was like set for life. I, it was 1997 and I was taking home $958 a month and I thought I was loaded. Um, <laughs> I had enough money to pay rent and buy vodka and ramen noodles. So what more did you need in life? Um, <laughs> And that career was really good to me. I ended up becoming um, the judicial review clerk, uh, the bail review clerk, sorry, at the Court of Queen's Bench in Calgary. 
and had a really great career in my early 20s and ended up going through a breakup. And my parents had moved to Vancouver Island. They were living in this little community called Royston and I had to come out and see them, you know, lick your wounds, run home to mommy and daddy. And I was just blown away at how beautiful it was. My parents were two blocks from the ocean Mm. and it was so peaceful and such a different pace than Calgary that I just, I quit my job and I moved out to um, Royston and thought, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. Wonderful. And I was driving around and I heard that this radio station was looking for a community cruiser. And I was like, well, I could do that for a summer, just run around handing out prizing. Why not? So I just sent a note saying, here's my resume. I have no experience, but I will literally make your radio station the best thing ever. And you have to hire me. I love that. So <laughs> the program director is like, you have no experience and we're probably not going to hire you, but I had to meet you because I thought that you were really ballsy. And I was like, well, you're welcome. And he said, why do you want to do this? And I said, why not? I'm 26 years old. I have no, nothing I'm tied to except a plant. And I just think radio is fun. I love music. Let me try. What, what, what's it going to hurt? So I worked with them for a while and really got the radio bug. And the program director there told me that I didn't have any talent and I would never have my own show. So I was like, well, I'm not going to stay here then. So I left for a little while and then Vista Radio was hiring. So (laughs) I applied and there's a program that we use called Adobe Audition. And it's how we build commercials. It's how we build anything audio driven. Well, I heard Adobe and I thought Adobe Acrobat, who can't use that? I'm opening a file. So I was like, yeah, I can use Adobe. Yeah, I can do all of these things. So they hired me and I had no idea what I was going to do. I actually had a panic attack the night before. I'm like, they always lie in movies to get the job, but no one tells you what to do when you get the job. (laughs) So I walked into Jet FM and there's this older man in a flannel shirt and a puffy vest and a a hat on. And he was just kind of standing in the lobby. And I I walked in. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Can I help you? And he's like, oh, do you work here? I said, actually, it's my first day. Was, oh, you look a little bit nervous. So I said, yeah, I kind of lied on my resume. I said I could do all these things and I have no idea what I'm doing. He goes, oh, my name's Terry Coles. I'm the president of the company. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm fired, aren't I? And he laughed. He's like, well, he's like, let's see what you can do. And so um, it was a pretty magical thing because everyone was like, well, you can talk so we can start with that. And it... Um, It really changed a lot of things because I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I forced myself to do it. And it's a career that's been really good to me. And I told myself that if there was anything that needed to be done, I was going to do it. If someone needed to go shovel dog shit in the driveway, I was going to do that. If someone needed to grab coffee for the program director, I was going to do that, like whatever you need. So I worked in the newsroom as a reporter and I would go to the city council meetings that would last until 7.30 at night and just be enthralled with them where other people thought they were dry. I would voice track a midday show in Port Hardy if it meant that I got extra experience. So I really tried to learn everything that I could so that if there was ever a time that my role wasn't relevant, I could slide into another one. Oh, so smart. And I think that that's something that's been lost a little bit. And the more you can adapt and the more you can be a chameleon, the further you can go in anything. It's something that I've always come back to. Like I've left a couple of times. I had my daughter and thought, well, you know, maybe I want to try something different. But 
I've never loved anything career-wise the way I've loved radio because it's such a way to connect with people. Oh, yes. One thing that I love about radio in the Comox Valley is I've made sure that I never took for granted the impact that it had on me when you're out in the community and someone comes up to you and says, you know, like, thanks, you kept me company, you know, or I was going through a really hard time and I'd listen to you in the evenings or, you know, you're my, you know, I listen to you on the way to work and you're a part of their day and you're a part of the routine. And it's such an intimate thing to have someone say you're a part of my life that I've really tried to never take that for granted. And there are days when you're like, oh, I just don't want to talk to anyone. I hate the world. But nobody cares that you've had a rough day. You have, you know, and it's it's a really magical thing when someone can come up to you and say, you know what, you helped out when, you know, my brother went through this accident and we were raising money and you guys talked about it on the air and, you know, it helped us raise money to help him. And it, it's like a ripple effect. Like what you're doing is literally impacting people's lives. And how lucky are we that we get to be the ones to turn on the microphone? Oh, oh my God, that's so well-spoken, Robin. Oh, I, I, mean, I can practice a million different ways now. We have a script of <laughs> questions and I just kind of want to say, fuck it. <laughs> I just want to stay on this theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to go wherever. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, I can, I can attest to that because as the manager of communications with the school district, we leaned in. Jet FM was right there saying, let us tell your story, particularly in the morning show and that, that morning drive in very impactful because you have a captive audience. But we leaned into you guys to share all that information that was going out like crazy over the COVID, COVID updates, masks. And you guys were there lockstepping with us to say, let's go on radio. Just share, share some time with us live in the morning and just tell us what's going on. We got so much gratitude for doing that. So thank you. Well, for me, the biggest thing personally about COVID is, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, and I didn't know, like, when, like, what is COVID? Like, what's going on? Like, what does it mean when people are, countries are being shut down? And I think that that was the scariest part for so many of us is we didn't know. And there was so much misinformation being spread. So we sat down as a collective and said, we can't control what people are going to assume. We can't control what other outlets are doing. All we can do is say facts not fear. And that was our mantra through it. So we said, well, let's go to the experts. Let's talk to the school district. Let's talk to the mayors. Let's talk to the health authority. You tell us, let us be your vessel. You guys tell everyone what's going on. As a parent sending my school or sending my child to school, I was terrified. And then Tom DeMeo came on and was like, well, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're accountable it took the fear right away from it because I'm like, okay, there, there's a plan. There's, you know, it, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the sensationalism of it. And like, you know, pandemic, it's such a, you know, it, it's so easy to be like, well, I'm terrified because this is happening and the drama around it. But when you sit back and really look at how it's impacting your life, stop being a victim, find out the facts and move forward. And there's so many people on either sides of that pendulum that we just, we wanted to be that middle ground where whether you believe that it's true or you don't believe that it's true, all we can do is say, here is what we know from the people that know it and take the information and do what you want. Yes, yes, so true. We, we allowed that fear mind, the uncertainty to control the mind and it took us down that road of fear. And it, as a communicator and a radio announcer, 
you're constantly bombarded from the community and battling the truth, getting that story out there. You don't have to like the story, but as long as you have the truth, I think one of the, the victims of COVID was critical thinking. Mm-hmm. We fell prey to whatever the mass media was putting out there so quickly. And when I say mass media, I think social media fell into that category. Where it's like, well, if I saw it on Facebook, it's got to be true. <laughs> And that's the thing. And, you know, social media is such a blessing and a curse at the same time, because we were, my husband and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, how amazing it is that, you know, God forbid someone's child goes missing to be able to blast that picture out as fast as possible. But on the other side of it, there's so much misinformation that's blasted just as quickly. So it's finding that middle ground and, and do your research, mm-hmm. you know, by all means, like I, I love a good debate. I love chatting with people that have a different opinion than I do because you learn something. If I can walk away from a conversation with you more enlightened and vice versa, then there was some, some purpose to it. And it, it, it's just, yeah, I just think it's so easy. It's, and COVID was such a good example of that to just take that little bit of information and fester with it. And, and instead of trying to learn more about other people's views or other people's reactions to it, we just, we tended to kind of gravitate towards people that had that same opinion we did. And then almost like that lemming complex where the fear manifests. So yeah. I think it was just really important that people were finding the facts and, and doing their best with the information that we were provided. The herd mentality. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what fear does. It clings onto its, it creates a buddy system. So you don't have to feel alone in your own fear. It's like if other people feel this, then I, I'm completely normal. I feel safe. So then you're right. It just Total justification. Absolutely. So I loved what you said that um, fact not fear. And that's what definitely the radio station, the model you leaned into. How about you? How did you face the most challenging year? Oh, I'm like a headless chicken when stuff like this happens. I'm like, the sky is falling. And my husband is very much like the level playing field where he's like, okay, you're being ridiculous. Let's just take five and take a breath. So I tried to use it as a really good opportunity to mature in my reactive time. And and, and, and the fact not fear was something that I had to say to myself, because I remember April last year waking up and I was like, is it an allergy attack? Is it COVID? Do I have COVID? Do I go to the office? I think maybe I have, no, I'm allergic to pollen and the flowers were blooming. But for me, it was like, you know, like you're, there's a certain addiction to drama, right? Mm-hmm. So I really had to sit back and go, okay, take five minutes have a glass of water and wash your face and see how you feel and just stop. And especially because I didn't want to influence my daughter. I know that we keep saying how resilient children are. And I kept telling myself, oh, kids are so resilient. It's not even going to affect Sophia. And last summer I came home from work and she had written on our window with one of her window markers, I hate COVID. Oh. And I said, oh, like, baby, why do you hate COVID? And she just started sobbing. She's like, I miss my cousins. I miss my uncles. I miss having sleepovers. I miss my friends. And it was just this dam opened up. And I thought, oh my God, like I questioned my parenting. I questioned my relationship with her. Like, how did I not see this coming? Like she's six years old and this is just like completely destroyed her. And so we had a really good talk about it. And she said, I don't understand why I can't go see my cousins. 
And I said, because it's not safe and we have to follow the rules. And right now we're told that by traveling, there's a good chance that we could carry COVID with us. So we have to be careful. I don't like it either. And you know what? It's okay to hate COVID. So we punched a pillow. We pretended that the pillow was COVID and we punched it. And I said, you can be mad. You can feel those emotions. You can't be rude and you can't be unkind, but you can be mad. You can be sad. You can cry, feel those things, cycle through them. And then we have to push forward because what are some good things that's happened? Well, daddy's at home. He works from home now. So I see daddy all the time. Okay, that's awesome. We didn't have that before. What else? Well, mommy's home from work now. I'm like, yeah, I go in, I do the morning show and then I work from home. So you get more time with mommy and daddy. What else? And so we tried to spin it in a positive. And so I noticed that I had to really be careful how I presented my feelings on COVID because I didn't want to impact her memories on it. And when you think about it, like for two years, so like a third of her life, she's been dealing with this. Like it really kind of gave me a different perspective. And so I, I, I wanted to be more mature in how I reacted to things. And I wanted to be more compassionate for people around me. Um, because I know that everybody has different feelings. There's some people that you know, didn't want to leave their house. They were terrified and they're absolutely justified in feeling that way. I have other friends that didn't believe that it was real, that believed that it was a conspiracy and they're completely valid to feel that way. I might not agree with it, but I'm not right. And they're not right. It's, it, it's your view and it's how you feel. And it's not my place to tell you that you can't feel those things or do those things. All I can do is be kind and compassionate and go forward that way. So beautiful. And yeah, we didn't have the manual. We didn't have a guidebook or any past experience to lean in on. Well, maybe, you know, we had some significant events in our life, but I love that you, what you said, because you demonstrate real emotional intelligence. And that is uh, so important just to show up and be cognizant of how I am, how I'm behaving, that inward observation, what my words are now will impact this young child, and so on and so on. That is um, so uh, mature, if I can steal your words to do that. But obviously, sometimes we have had a significant emotional event, something that happened in our lives uh, that defines us and shapes us who we are as an individual. So how about you take our listeners back to a time that defines Robin and how you found that, that inner strength and emotional intelligence? I was in, I got married at 20 years old and I was in a very dysfunctional, toxic and abusive relationship. Oh dear. Um, and it, it's funny because a naive 18 year old, if someone would have talked to me about domestic violence, I would have been like, well, you know, it's, it's something that happens generation after generation. Like people choose this. I didn't even see it coming. Like it's something gradual, like no one takes it on a first date, punches you in the face and you go, well, this is kind of cool. Let's do this. Like, it's something that you're groomed into. It's something that manipulation and it, and it started so slowly that I literally remember waking up at 23 years old and going, oh my God, how did this happen? And I was always a very like bubbly, outgoing, affectionate, happy person. And I didn't recognize myself at 25 years old. I didn't want to make new friends. I didn't know how to make eye contact with people. And that was part of the reason that I moved up to the island. 
-hmm. And I remember sitting in my parents' living room, looking down at the ground and asking my mom if I could have a glass of water. And she looked at me, she's like, like, what happened? And I just, I told her everything. And my parents were devastated because they knew something wasn't right. They never really got along with my ex-partner, but they never, they never really liked him. I remember my wedding day, my dad's like, my truck's running, like we can leave, don't do this. And I was like, but I love him. And um, I had to learn how to love myself again. And it's taken a really long time because I didn't. I didn't think I deserved that. Like this person stood in front of the people we cared about and said, you know, for better or for worse, I'm going to love this person. And, you know, I remember him saying, I've never met anyone like you. You have the ability to destroy everything you touch. And, and that was something that resonated with me for a really long time. And I thought that defined me. And that's who I was. He told me I was stupid and lazy. And I thought that's who I was. Well, that's what you're telling me I am. So, and it's so much easier to believe the shitty things people tell you about than the good. And I think we're conditioned when someone says, oh, wow, like you look beautiful today to go, oh, no. And I didn't know how to own that. If someone told me, hey, you look beautiful today, I, I felt guilty. Like, no, I don't. Why are you saying that? So I was very lucky to, my dad was always very adamant that we all played sports as kids. So when I moved to the Comox Valley, I thought, well, I'll start playing baseball and maybe I'll meet some nice people. And that's what changed my life is I started playing baseball and I met people who they didn't make fun of me for playing baseball. There was things I needed to improve on and they spent time showing me how to do that. Oh. And it slowly started to build my confidence again. And it wasn't until I met my husband where he really, like, I, I didn't realize how unlovable I felt I was until this amazing person is telling me he loves me. And I'm like, well, where's the other shoe? And I said that to him one day. I'm like, I don't understand why you love me. And he was so heartbroken. And he's like, well, because you're all of these things. And, and he made me, and he was so genuine in what he said that it was the first time I was like, I'm a really great person. And I know that sounds arrogant, but you spend so much time focusing on all the shitty things people have told you you are, that to all of a sudden have someone that you admire and someone you love and someone you want to emulate, look at you and go, but, but you're smart and you're compassionate and you're fiery and you have drive and, and you are, you know, and, and to all of a sudden go, okay, well, I like those things. Okay. <laughs> so it was a big chunk of my late twenties and early thirties where I had to learn to like things about myself. And I still have days where I get up and I'm like, I cannot wear that out of the house. But I make a point that when I look in the mirror every day, my first instinct is to go, Ooh, I got some fine lines around there and Ooh, what's going on with this chin down here. But I don't. <laughs> I say, wow, like my eyes look really nice today, or I'm really glad I got my roots done. My hair's looking good. So I try and find something positive to say about myself. And um, especially again, because of my daughter, I grew up where my mom was very critical of herself. She grew up in a very critical home. So there was a lot of things my mom didn't do because she was worried that she would look foolish or she wouldn't belong. And so I really try to make sure that when I'm talking about myself around my daughter, I use kind words towards myself. Like one big rule that my husband and I have in our house is no body shaming. So we're not allowed to say anything negative about our bodies. Um, we have to say kind, positive things um, and talk about our abilities. So with my daughter, I don't say, oh, you're so beautiful. I say, wow, you looked really strong on those monkey bars today. Or, you know, we talk about things that are not physical attributes, more so personal things, if that makes any sense. It certainly does. Ironically, my daughter is reading the book, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. 
she just picked it up. She was in Safino yesterday and it was like the universe was calling out to her as she's going through a bit of a struggle right now. And, and that's normal and it happens, mm -hmm. but it, it is about the positive affirmation. And there was this book and she's been reading it and it's just changed her perspective altogether. Everything that you have said, Robin, is exactly what she is finding in this book. I'm, I'm mom. I can't tell her that. Right. <laughs> But my husband often says, well, maybe she's this way because maybe you were a little bit too negative on yourself. I'm like, yeah, I guess. I but he thinks society conditions us to be that way. Like, even if I looked at you and said, oh my gosh, I love your shirt. Isn't your first instinct to be like, oh, I got it on sale or to justify why you bought something that makes you look good. Like, you know, even if someone's like, oh, wow, your nails look nice. Oh, well, I probably need to get a fill on them. Like it's, it's to me, like society has conditioned women that if you own a compliment or you own your worth, then you're arrogant and you need to be put back in your place. And it's wrong. Why can't you look at another person and say, you know what? I freaking love the way you entered a room. Good for you. I love your confidence. Mm -hmm. But we're set up to be competitive with each other. And like, there's only room for one successful woman in the world. And it's so frustrating for me because if people are successful, it breeds more success and it inspires more people. So you having this podcast, I think is absolutely brilliant. And the second you were like, Hey, would you like to be a part of it? I would love to be a part of your successful podcast. I think that this is amazing. And whether one person listens or a million people listen, you're changing someone's life when they're tuning in. Yes. Yeah. It's like that analogy of this little boy on the beach and he's throwing these starfishes into the water and this man comes up and he's like what are you doing he's like well i'm saving the starfish and he's like the beach is covered you can't save them all and he's like well i saved one." Oh gosh wow i'm getting and it's like that one per is that one person is that one starfish not worthy because you couldn't get to the rest so true so it's it's little victories that i think are so important yes yes and watching the behavior of someone do that. It's contagious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. We could speak for hours. I'm on the <laughs> same frequency as you girl. Love this. Love this. What a great way to come back to recording another podcast is to sit with oh. you. I mean, I, everything I've been reading lately and what my daughter's been reading or all these positive affirmations that we're coming across is you, you're literally reiterating. Them. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. I, um, I love Brene Brown. She's one of my favorite people. Oh, my, it's on my desk. It's literally on my desk right now. When she talks about how it's so hard to be creative when you're stifled and you're fearful, it's so true. Like, how can you have the confidence to stand up and say, we should do this if you constantly feel like you're going to be criticized or put down? So I just, I literally read her books with a highlighter. Oh I gosh, I know. I was reading it Coming back from Tofino this morning and we were stuck at, we just missed the Kennedy Lake road closure at the top of the hour. So we had 55 minutes to burn and I pulled out the book and I started reading it. So, Damn what I would do for a highlighter right now. <laughs> so I follow all over the pages all the time. Of course you have to read the entire page to figure out what it was that you were trying to mark to save for the future reference. But yes, and even Brene, who, you know, I just look up to as this, holy sainthood of diva woman power uh, and leadership. It even tells about that story where she had to give that talk in front of all those hoity-toity executives. <laughs> she's gonna talk to the C-suite or the C-level. And she's thinking like C-level, like ground level, like basic grassroots simpleton people. 
no, no, C-level, like corporate, like CEOs and CEOs. (laughs) Right. Oh my God. It's so true. And it's these, these moments of like complete vulnerability. And we tell these stories like you just did that we find their courage. And in those stories, which is the whole purpose of this podcast is that it resonates with somebody else. And they say, I can identify that. I am not alone. I'm going to get through this. Oh, I'm so blessed, Robin, that you shared that. Oh, my goodness. So, and you mentioned earlier that you taught you guys, your, the radio station, and you and your morning show with Pete Montana had the wonderful opportunity. Again, thank you for that, to talk to business professionals and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and our community leaders and, of course, our school district superintendent about COVID, how they're managing with the restrictions so that we can maintain the sense of safety and calm throughout our community. What was one of the most common themes among these uh, the interviews that you found that resonated and some of the biggest takeaways you had? I, I think with our community leaders, the biggest thing was that they wanted to manage the information. They yeah. wanted people to be able to process it and the kindness and compassion side of it everybody is in this differently. You can look at a mountain and everyone has a different way of scaling it. And one way isn't right, one way isn't wrong. And I I think that in the beginning, especially when everyone was scared, we didn't understand what was going to happen. Everyone was just scrambling to be ahead of things. And instead of taking a moment to step back and process properly, we were just trying to get to the next stage. And what does that look like? And what does it mean? And if it's going to explode, just explode. And, and I think that a lot of the one thing that I was really proud of in the community we're in is that everyone we spoke to from, you know, the superintendent, Tom DeMeo, to mayors, to elected officials, to um, health authority members. We even had Dr. Bonnie Henry on the air with us. Mm-hmm. And, and and she she was lovely to speak to. And, and I appreciated that she spoke in terms that were not condescending, but in a way that everyone could understand. Um, but it was just at the end of the day, everyone is struggling in their own way. So if you have an opportunity to be kind and compassionate, please be kind and compassionate. And and that's what it comes down to. I remember being in the grocery store with my daughter and this woman looked at my daughter and I, who we were wearing a mask and she looked at my daughter and she's like, oh, you're such a sheep. And without missing a beat, my six-year-old looked up at her and said, well, I'm wearing it for you. And I was like, okay, we are getting through to people then because it, it is about being kind to the person next to you. And this woman kind of like stood back and walked away. And I was like, you know what, Sophia, I'm so proud of you. I said, you weren't rude. You, you held your own, but you let this person know that, you know, I'm doing this to be kind to you. So I, I just think that a victim mentality was really easy for a lot of people. And gosh, I fell into it too. Like, what was me? I want to go on a holiday, mm-hmm. but we can't lose sight of the fact that, you know, there, there are people, there's always someone that has a rougher go of it than you do. And not that you want to compare your highlight reel to someone's, you know, crappy reel, for lack of a better term. But, you know, I, I said to my family, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I really wish that we could go on a holiday. I really wish we could go see our family, but at least we still have our house. At least we still have our jobs. At least we still have each other. Could you imagine being single and renting a place and being alone and being isolated like at least we still have each other because there were a lot of people that couldn't leave their homes and couldn't see anybody so 
I think that at the end of the day, the biggest message that I appreciated in my long-winded round here <laughs> is that if you have the opportunity to be kind and compassionate, please be kind and compassionate. Amen. I had the fortunate experience to listen into the communication manager, director for Dr. Bonnie Henry. He gave us a presentation through the um, Canadian Public Relations Society, uh, our local chapter, Vancouver Island. And so when he was speaking, he told us about the history of that, be kind, be compassionate. She was preparing, Dr. Bonnie Henry was preparing for her first big brief early on in the pandemic. And they were just talking things through and she's so kind-hearted and soft-spoken as you well know. And, and that's what we love her for. And then they said, well, what, what do you want to get out of this? She goes, I just want people to be kind, be compassionate. <laughs> the communications manager's like, okay, hang on to that. <laughs> this is our slogan, this is it. And so he was hoping for sure that she would say it. And so she goes out and she gives her first media brief. And at the end, she takes a deep breath and says, be kind, be compassionate. Of course, they're cheering in the background. And that's so true. This has become our mantra, our slogan, except we've got to remember not just to say it, but live it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to ease into very aggressively our flashcards. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you one word and you just splurt out whatever comes to mind. You can have okay. a sentence, a phrase, one word right back at me, but this is the fun part of the flashcards. Are you ready? I'm ready. Resilience. Our community during COVID. Our business community. Oh, our business community, the way business owners all of a sudden had online curbside pickup, like the way that people were trying to find ways to stay afloat. Like I, it brings me to tears and it's what made me want to be a part of the Chamber of Commerce in the Comox Valley is the resiliency of our business community. 100%. Yeah. Small businesses. They're the cornerstone of society. Oh. And what they were able to do to pivot, to shift. I know those are two words people are sick and tired of hearing about, but they did True. It authenticity very important it's something i teach my daughter there's mm -hmm. only one you you have to be you and you have to be authentic people can sniff out a copycat so good you're so good at this oh <laughs> i love this <laughs> <laughs> we've mentioned this before but let's mention again fear fear um i don't know why pain comes to mind i always fear is something that holds you back and i think that it's it, it shapes who you are when you can overcome it yes yes okay so if you were to write a book what would be the title the name of your book that you'd write about your COVID-19 journey I can't make this shit up <laughs> <laughs> and shit would be an a the I would be an asterisk that's how I would do it I can't make this shit up <laughs> So true. We'll look back in the history and that big page of the history <laughs> book. Can't make this shit up. So true. And speaking about books, what is your favorite read of all time? Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh, yeah. I am. Um, yeah. Okay. I, tell us why. Take us down this road. I was going through a really low time. And I remember it was on Oprah's book club. And I was like, this is really interesting. And it was the first kind of grown-up book that I went and bought for myself at a bookstore like that wasn't just something that I got from my mom or my grandma but I was like and it made me feel really adult and then I read it and speaking of resiliency and speaking of I just uh, it was really phenomenal to me that this 
woman rose from nothing and found courage and found a way to be herself. And through like just sheer meanness, like just malicious meanness, she never lost her light. And I just, I, I just, yeah, I just really, like she was stabbed in the back. She was literally beaten. Like she just, but it was, it was just a really beautiful story to me. And it's something I still go back to. I, I actually had to buy a new copy because I just, mine was in tatters. It went to Mexico with me. It went to across Canada. Like I've had that book everywhere. <laughs> oh, do you remember what bookstore you bought it in? I bought it in the chapters in Vancouver on my way to Mexico. Oh, wow. <clears throat> do you ever have those moments? We digress, but this is the fun stuff. You walk into a bookstore, whether it's it's a big chain or just a small local big bookstores like Blue Heron Books and Laughing Oyster or the wonderful bookstore in Tofino, and you walk in and there's this energy and you don't know what it is, but you're just present. You kind of breathe it in. And then all of a sudden the book, it, the book that is the answer to your woes is there. And clearly this one was. Is I love used bookstores. I love, there's one in Coombs that I love. I love the ones in Dufino. I love the ones in the Comox Valley. And my husband would laugh at me because I would, I love touching them and flipping the pages and smelling that old book smell. And he's like, why? And I said, because I don't know who read it before me, but someone read this and connected with it. And I don't know. And I do that. Like, I'm like, nope, this isn't the one. And I sniff it and I hold it. Nope, this isn't the one. And I bought the most random things. I bought a kid's book about a horse. It was like a chapter book for probably a seven-year-old when I was like 32 or something, but I just, I needed to read it. And it was a beautiful story, Aww. but it, yeah, I do. I love used bookstores. I, I love the smell. I love the energy. I love, I, I do. When I walk in, it is, it's like this blanket of white light just washes over me and I just love it. Thank you for saying that. I get that all the time. I, I just it. wondered if there's other people in the world that experience it too. And we'll have to go book shopping together. <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll never leave. I know. <laughs> yeah. I had a peanut butter and jam sandwich when they were <laughs> Yes. Robin, this has been so much fun. Oh my God, no wonder Pete Montana loves doing a morning <laughs> show with you. Oh, so much fun. You're it's just, you are, you are a fiery ball of energy, authentic, resilient. You have risen from the ashes. Yeah, I love this you got to write your book because you can't make this shit up. <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity to join you. I've enjoyed every second of it. Thank you so much. Wow. Wow. Just like all of our episodes, we talk a lot about issues that are impacting us as we try to find who we are, redefine ourselves coming out of the pandemic. And those stories about the experiences we had, they really shape our viewpoint on life moving forward. And it was a real treat to talk with Robin. But I'm also a firm believer that the books that we're drawn to, it's as though we asked the universe and somewhere down the line in the future, the universe just responds with a book, places it in our hands haphazardly, and as we go through the pages, we find exactly the message we need to hear. And that's exactly what happened with Robin and her favorite book, Memoirs of a Geisha. And of course, in my conversation with Robin, other books were mentioned, 
Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Oh, my favorite. How many times have I talked about her now in my podcasts? And You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. But rather than close with my takeaways of this episode, I rather just leave you with three really profound quotes, one from each of the books that we talked about. So here we go. From Arthur Golden, Memoirs of a Geisha. We lead our lives like water flowing down a hill, going more or less in one direction until we splash into something that forces us to find a new course. And from Brene Brown, you either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for worthiness. And one of my favorites from Jen Sanchero. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mary Lee. It's been a pleasure and I'm so grateful that you like to tune in. You can download any of these episodes and subscribe on anywhere you like to listen to your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And if you want to share what you think about these podcasts, well, share it with a friend or leave a review. Unfacts is a podcast brought to you by MGG Communications Inc.